everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes. Thank you so much. We do have a request though, before we get started, if you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Pure Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. I'm on episode 371, an update episode. That's right. We love our update episodes. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite episodes to record because we have various episodes that we drop throughout the weeks. Uh, we have a themed episode every other week, and then every other week is the uh, update episode. And these are the fun ones because this is the one I feel like where we get a chance to kind of talk about what's going on in our life with reselling. Uh, what is going on in the world of reselling it in general. And then also we get to talk about bolos uh, and all, all, just all the fun stuff about reselling, what makes reselling fun, the random stories and all of that. Uh, so if you're listening right now uh, and you haven't already gone over to YouTube and hit the like and subscribe, do that because we have these Wednesday episodes, but we also have Monday episodes that drop only on YouTube. So go check those out as well. Uh, but man, it's a, it's another update episode. How you doing, Orlando? Well, I'm doing. I mean, we're all doing. <laughs> and so, you know, it's one of those things where I think you eventually get used to things and it's a new norm that you just continue working through it. And, you know, it's one of those things that we have discussed in our old school. I, forget, I think it was a four hour work week where we tend to go worst case scenario. Right. And so, you know, with sales being slow and, and the economy and all this, a lot of people go to worst case scenario. And there is a time to think that through, but most of the time it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. And, uh, you know, things have been, things have been, I would say normal, uh, and, <laughs> but normal comes with a caveat. So for example, I, I was about to say when I was putting together notes for this episode, how things are kind of normal back on eBay, like sales are consistent. Everything is, you know, how it used to be. And then today <laughs> before the podcast, I had zero sales. Which is which is wild to me. It is wild. So I can go from you know, a several hundred dollar day, several hundred dollar day, a one k day, whatever it is, to this. And it's I think it is a new norm on eBay until whenever. I'm not sure when, but you know, I not you know not trying to shade anybody, but I I just I'm kind of tired of people saying if you want consistent eBay sales, do this. And I, I don't think that's that's reality. I think it's reality if. You're a huge seller and you're selling like new items, right? Or you're selling something that people are like uh, replenishable, people constantly want. But if you're a seller like like me or like Mike, who, you know, we're everything sellers, sell vintage goods, collectibles, stuff like that. Like there is no for sure uh, day anymore. But that's okay because what's been holding me through is I keep having home runs here, home runs there. And so they make up uh, for the weekdays. Uh, also, you know, I, I try to go Amazon sourcing and it was brutal. Just brutal. I, I think I, I and I say this because it's only my experience, because I know there's other people as soon as I say this will be like, oh, I've had an awesome experience. But I, I will say retail arbitrage for the normal guy that just goes out there with his app and scans things. I think those days are kind of done. I, I think it's very difficult, you know, because now, you know, people have AI, people have cook groups, people have discords. And I was looking at the numbers at some items and I'm just like, how are people staying profitable? Either A, they're finding a wholesaler. B, they somehow they're able to get these items for less than I'm getting them for, uh, which, you know, you can use your imagination on that. Or C, they're just, you know, they're just, they're okay with spending $45 to make five or $10 net profit, which is crazy to me because I'm used to, when I used to sell on Amazon, you know, I think about when I made the most profit, we're talking about items I would spend maybe 20 bucks for. I remember one item I spent $50 and I would sell it for 300. And so I'd clear $200 net each, each time uh, with the hair clippers back during that era. You know, I'd pay 35 and I'd sell them for close to 100. So I would clear at least 40 or 50 bucks net on those hair clippers. Right. And so, you know, that's great, but I would never spend $35 on a pair of hair clippers to make five to $10. And I think that's what it takes right now in the retail arbitrage game, unless you find something super special. I was looking at one item 
that is trending on uh, TikTok, and I'm just gonna throw it out there because it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a little, it's little. It's a little Tykes, uh, my dreamy projector or something. It's like a little projector for kids, and it projects stories on the wall. And and mm. you can get them at Walmart. They're sold out everywhere now. But when I was looking at it, it was, I think it was forty dollars, and people were selling it on Amazon for about eighty bucks. And so you you factor in, okay, that thing's gonna cost about fifteen dollars to ship. Right. Then you factor in the Amazon fees. Right. So let's say let's throw in another $15. So that's $30. Right. So that's 40 plus the 30. That's 70. Uh, and then, you know, there's the, you know, the, the equipment that you're using, the shipping supplies, whatever it is. So let's throw another five bucks. So maybe you're netting $15 of that $40. But then what happens when there's competition that comes in? And the buy and, and, and the price gets dragged down. So let's say it gets dragged down and there's, you know, 80 sellers. And now you're talking about hopefully you break even. Hopefully you make four to five dollars net profit. Like it's it's too wild for me. Uh, and, and that one, even if though it was super gated, like Little Tykes is a brand that you actually have to have an invoice. Uh, you have to jump through all these hoops to get ungated. And so there was a lot of people that were ungated. I don't know what it's looking like right now. Somebody's like, Orlando, you destroyed a bolo, but I didn't. It's already the, the video I saw on TikTok about it was like an advertisement on TikTok. So thousands of people have seen it. And so for me, it's like, all right, I, you, I'm sure there's a diamond in the rough somewhere, but it's going to take some time to get to that diamond on the rough. So I'm looking at it right now. So right now it's a sales rank of 1,090, which is phenomenal. That means the moment you list it, chances are it's going to sell pretty quick. Now, when I look at the numbers right now, there are 85 sellers on Merchant Fulfilled and 29 FBA. Okay. And $90.35. Like that, that's, that's wild to me. So as long as it stays at 90, you can, you can be pretty profitable. But once it drops below that, like you're, you're going to, you're going to be hurting. So anyways, just, you know, I want people to be careful out there because look, I'm looking at the fees right now. Uh, thirteen fifty. It says thirteen fifty five on the fees. So you have a gross proceeds of seventy six eighty. But that if you get at forty, you know that's thirty six dollars FBA. Yeah, but there's a, there's a lot of other factors in there. I don't know. It's just it's too too sketch. But maybe I'm wrong. Let me know. Let me know. So, anyways, so that that happened, and uh, I will say garage sales have been phenomenal. <laughs> One thing I'm realizing is I'm super selective. And right now I'm making all the money back on a, on the garage shows that I go to within a few days, which has been beautiful. So for example, I went to uh, this guy, I don't know, he worked somewhere and he always got these giveaways and it was like batting gloves and Nike golf pants and Tommy Bahama clothing, like new in package, just all these new things. And I paid that day, I went to garage shows and I paid 150 for everything. and within 12 hours i sold enough batting gloves where i was already 60 dollars net profit and then i sold some other items and i already 3x my money by wednesday so i went garage sales saturday 3x by wednesday now that's just in the garage sale stuff i did have other ebay sales i'm not living from garage sale to garage sale that would be crazy uh but uh yeah that was great and then i went to uh, another garage sale early in the morning and these these are the best so i show up and it's, you know how it is out here. People usually get out to garage sales like at 4 a.m. It's crazy, man. Like, so I got up early. The time hasn't changed yet. And it's super dark. And I'm out there with my flashlight on my phone. And I'm like, hey, good morning. How's it going? You know, I'm pretty sure you had people come by. And she's like, oh, yeah. People came by like two hours ago. I'm at this Jeez. garage sale at 630 in the morning. Isn't that crazy? That's just crazy. Yeah. I wonder if it's like that in Texas. But, uh. It's too cold here right now. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm there and I'm like, oh man, maybe it's the you know the good stuff is gone. But then I'm coming through and I always tell people have a conversation. So I'm talking and I I said, hey, you know, uh, it seems you got a lot of vintage stuff. Do you sell on eBay or you know where's all this stuff from? She's like, yeah, I try to throw a few things on eBay, but uh, this is actually my father's stuff uh, who passed a while away a while ago, and we're finally getting out getting through his storage units. We're just trying to offload this stuff. I was like, what? Like when, when I heard that, I was like, oh man, you know, I felt terrible. Obviously I, I, you know, I, my condolences. And then I said, Hey, listen, 
you know, if you have anything that's not out here that you're wanting to sell, let me know. And she's like, oh, yeah, I have this vintage train set. Let me go get it. I have these vintage BMX magazines. Let me go get it. And so she just kept bringing stuff out and I just kept buying. I just kept buying. I just kept buying. And so it was a great opportunity. Um, both garage sales, the ones with the batting gloves and this one, I, I left my card. You know, who knows if they'll call me, but if either of those call me, it's going to be a great connection because the stuff they have sells. And that's the thing you want to do. You want to make sure when you go to garage sales and you get a nice buy that you leave your card because you never know. They might hit you up and go, oh, yeah, this, you know, this friend of mine has a bunch of stuff. And I know you bought a lot of stuff last time, you know, and she said she'd rather have you buy all the stuff, you know, come check it out. And I've had that happen to me. So so that's that's been great. It just the connections have been great. And the other thing, and, and we brought this up uh, on our Monday minisode a week and a half ago. I got to tell you, I'm using WorthPoint more and more. I know Terapeak on eBay now goes to three years, and this is not a sponsorship of WorthPoint, even though we have talked to the CEO and hopefully he'll sponsor us sometime here soon. Uh, but, you know, I, it's such a powerful tool. So I picked up these things called, uh, maybe it'll be a, a hustle of the week, called belly washers. <laughs> They're so weird. Do you remember those? What kind of stuff are you uh, <laughs> uh, selling now, Orlando? I'm a little worried. <laughs> but they're actually, I, I, it's a, it's, I, I wish I could get up and grab one right now. But they're just these juice drinks that had like. We, we, we don't need to see. No, we don't need to see. <laughs> they're just these juice drinks that have toppings like a homer simpson head or mm -hmm. a soccer ball or uh you know mm -hmm. and any you know any of those any of those characters shrek or whatever and so these are things that little kids went out and drank at lunch and they threw away but for a reason there's a market for these and i wouldn't have known because i went on on ebay and there were comps like people selling them for like ten dollars fifteen dollars but then i went on worth point and there's some that are selling like 50 bucks if you have like the Shrek ones, they sell for 40 to 50. And I'm like, what is going on? So, you know, thank goodness because of Worth Point, I, I put them all on bidding. Uh, they haven't ended. One of them was shocked me. It was just a soccer ball on a juice drink. And it's, and uh, I had an opening bid right away of 20 bucks. And I paid $10 for a whole box of these. So it's just, you know, that's what I love about reselling is you never know what you'll come across. But you definitely got to use the tools because. I find that right now, as much as I, you know, eBay comps are great. I think the stuff I'm beginning to source, I'm going to need to use WorthPoint and other tools more than just 90 day eBay comps. All right. How are things for you? Uh, man, pretty good, except for um, we're recording a little bit early uh, than we normally do because of some scheduling conflicts. And then we had the live last week. And so this is uh, this is a little bit, uh, you know, I don't know exactly what the weather's like as of the time people are listening to this, uh, but we've had a lot of rainy days here out in central Texas. And so it's kind of just put a damper on, on our garage sales in general. Uh, the cold um, it's, it's coming in waves. Like there's times where it gets really cold and then it's back up into the seventies and eighties and then it gets really cold again. So I'm not so concerned about the cold. Uh, I, I don't think people will, will necessarily stop when it's cold unless it gets really, really cold. So I might be leaving garage sale season here in central Texas, but uh, the rain has really put a damper on it, which is not the the best thing. But I'm trying to put a positive spin on it. Um, it has been nearly impossible to work in my garage to get the energy or motivation to do listing or organize my inventory or anything like that. Get through my death piles because it's just been so, you know, un just insanely hot. It's been uncomfortable. Huh. And I set up a... Um, a portable air conditioner that I have attached to my garage door, my like the big gra opening garage door, I cut a hole in it and I put a, a portable air conditioner and it's just not very efficient. Uh, it does not cool the garage the way they're set up. They're not, they, they can't really handle this type of environment. And so I've already considered I'm going to save my eBay money, the money that I'm going to make over this Q4. And then next year for my tax write-off, cause I already have enough, I feel like for this year, but next year, I'm going to insulate the attic above my garage, and then I'm going to put in a newer um, air conditioning unit, like an actual, uh, I think they're called split units that that attach to the wall. Um, it's like a whole different kind of setup, but it's going to be probably you know $1,500 by the time all is said and done, but it ends up being a tax write-off, so it'll be fine as far as that goes. But right now, it's cool enough that I can actually work out here. So even though 
garage sales are kind of, you know, a little bit lower going back to a previous episode we just recently had listing through death piles is a lot more manageable now. So Hmm. when, when you have some bad things, usually good comes with it. So things are up and down. Right. And when, when one season, when you're in a certain season of reselling, whether it's a literal season, like now it's colder or rainier, um, typically that comes with other benefits. So the summertime sales might slow, but then you have more time to maybe do some sourcing or getting prepared Q4, uh, you're only sourcing. You don't really have time to be doing other things like preparing for taxes. And so you kind of just have to take advantage of the time that you have available to you, whatever that situation is. And so for right now, I'm in a, I can list, I can get things done. The negative is most of my inventory is outside in uh, a shed that I have outside. And the rain here, it rains. Maybe I'm just a baby because of being in Southern California, but it rains so much more here, man. And I know it's nothing compared to a lot of the the parts of the country. Uh, but it seems like every sale that I get has just been like bread and butter or like low value sales and it's days it's raining. So I have to end up going out to my shed, pulling a bunch of totes out to get an item that I'm going to make $15 on. And I'm like, you know what, with this weather right now, I'd, I'd, I would gladly pay $15 not to have to go out there and dig through that in the rain, but it is what it is. And, uh, you know, overall I'd say I'm, uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I have still been doing a little bit of the bins uh, and some thrift stores. I just, I don't like clothing. And I know I've had another listener mention that you don't have to necessarily do clothing in the bins. And I don't, for the most part, I'm still doing hard goods. Hard goods has the negative side that comes with it, which is it takes up a lot more space in your inventory. It's a little bit harder to ship. Um, sometimes you got to test things more. You don't have the measurement issue as much, but testing is a bigger deal. But uh, I just, I don't know that digging through the bins, I still haven't gotten over the, like, I don't even like digging through racks, like at a thrift store. I do not like going to the racks to look through clothes. So um, I don't mind shoes for whatever reason. I think it's because I can look at the wall and kind of just glance and be like, uh, no value, no value. Oh, maybe. Oh, no. And so I can kind of glance a little more and I'm not having to physically touch every single item and look. Uh, whereas I feel like with clothing, you kind of have to. And the bins is so much worse because it's like when you go to a garage sale, and they have just a giant pile of clothes. Unless I see really good stuff on the top, I'm not digging through a pile of clothes. But if there's like a few stacks of jeans and then over here, there's a couple stacks of shirts or they have them on racks, I'm more likely to look through them. So I just, I don't know. I'm just not a clothes seller. Maybe I have to go down that route, but it kind of seems like it's a, uh, it's kind of a saturated market anyway. So maybe it's a good thing. I'm not, I'm not in there. Yeah, no, I understand the clothing thing. It, it's interesting. Cause I had mentioned that the, you know, the, the area where I got all the batting gloves and all the stuff, I ended up buying a ton of clothes. Uh, the week before I bought a bunch of, uh, wide legged, like nineties, like skater jeans and stuff. And I listened to them. I was like, Oh, what I would give to just be in a smaller light booth and just, you know, putting up items, just taking pictures, right. Not having to do measurements, you know, but I will say the other side of clothing is it's really easy to ship. Yeah. Right. That, that it is, just, Oh, it's beautiful. It just reminds me that there's nothing, there's no perfect, right? Like even talking about like the weather um, versus talking about items you're you're selling, everything that has pros is going to have the cons that go with it, right? Yeah. Like it's almost impossible to find the thing that's nothing but pros because if you found that item, that would be the thing that only thing anybody would ever sell. So you kind of just have to figure out like what, which cons you're willing to swallow in order to get the pros that come with it. And yeah, you're right. The shipping is way easier on clothing. And the fact that it's so much easier, I feel like the inventory uh, takes up less space, but you know, you just have to figure out what works for you. So some people, they don't mind it. They don't mind doing the, the, the clothing and they get the benefit of the easy shipping. I hate shipping the stuff that I, I source, but I prefer sourcing the things I source. So it's like a weird, you know, uh, give and take there. Yeah, no, and we'll get into, I'll share my, uh, shipping dilemma. I wasn't dilemma, but you know, realization about how much I can't stand, uh, sometimes packing things. But before we do something that is a pro is my reseller genie. If you haven't checked out my reseller genie, got to tell you, it made my taxes smooth, uh, as I just finished mine up and submitted them for 2022. And, uh, if you're still up in the air and you're like worried, uh, you know, my reseller genie imports everything from the year before. It also gives you a PNL. Uh, you know, you sometimes you need those documents for other things, right? Maybe you need uh, to apply for a loan. I may be here soon to be uh, applying for a business loan, and I'm pretty sure they're going to ask for my profit and loss and all that, and it'll be really easy 
for me to show my expenses and what I'm spending and my potential and so on. And it's because of my reseller genie. So if you haven't had a chance yet, go to my reseller genie, use our link below, use our code pure hustle, all in caps. You'll get 15% off the first month. Again, my reseller genie, go to the link below and use our code pure hustle, all caps and get 15% off that first month. Yeah. All right. So getting back to the shipping. So this is, this wasn't going to be my random story, but I wanted to share this now because we're thinking about it. So yesterday and the day before I had two sales. Right. I had one. It was an it was a North Face jacket. It was a vintage one. And I paid like four or five bucks and I sold it for one hundred eighty dollars. And it was real easy. I got it off the rack. I unzipped it. I zipped it up. I folded it nice. I put it in a bag. I put it in a flat rate box and I taped it and I printed the shipping label. Easy. Right. I mean, probably took me. I think it took me like five minutes tops to pack. Right. To list took me maybe 10 minutes you know i am just you know offering and maybe it took me less but from you know taking the pictures to putting the listing together maybe 10 minutes okay probably took me like five but just throw it out there same time i also sold a mickey mouse cookie jar and it was mickey mouse on the top you know you remove it and then you have the jar part that was so annoying so you know how fast was I able to list it? Even faster. That was pretty easy, right? I just put it in the small light box, click, click, click. I list it, click, 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 and I'm done. Probably listed that faster than the jacket. And so then it sells. And then I have to bubble wrap both of them. Then I have to wrap them in cardboard, right? Because you want to get that super strong, you know, you want to float the box. So then I have to find the box. Then I have to tape the box. Then I have to put, you know, the packing paper. But even getting to the place of having it wrapped in the bubble wrap and having it wrapped in the cardboard that took at least 15 to 20 minutes. Now I will admit I was watching stuff. My kids were asking me questions here and there. So, okay. So maybe cause all the time I get people in the comments are like, man, Orlando, you're super slow. I would have done that in two minutes. It's like, all right, awesome, man. Good for you. But it, it, it took a long time. And by the time I was done, I think it took me, 30 to 40 minutes because I wanted to make sure it arrived safely. And, you know, because it was an awkward shape thing, too. You know, Mickey was a farmer and, you know, it was, a, it was pointed. So I had to make sure I bubble wrapped that really well. I had to make sure I put the cardboard around it really well. I had to, you know, Frankenstein two different box float, floating boxes. And so I'm thinking, wow, I only made $40 net and I spent. 40 minutes. So a dollar. And then listen, that's not terrible money. Okay. Right. So let's say, you know, I made 75 cents a minute or whatever it is, because you also got to factor in the time that I listed where the jacket 10 minutes and I made three X. So that that's the thing with clothing, right? I'm now, is everybody going to be able to source North face jackets? that go for close to 200 bucks all the time. No, you're not going to. Right. So you got to you got to be careful. You got to be careful. I, I remember that cookie jar. I was like, well, at least it's it's easy money because I it was from a Mickey Mouse lot that I paid one hundred and twenty five for. I already had made like four hundred bucks on that lot. So another 50 bucks. I'm like, hey, whatever. This was the worst because the other Mickey Mouse items were these figurines that were super easy. It took me maybe two minutes to pack and ship. So so that I understand. <laughs> I understand. Yep. So let us know your thoughts below. Are you more willing to spend the time listing clothing or to or to pack hard goods? Which is one you like more? Do you have any other random stories, Mike? Yeah, so um we always talk about the importance of trying to stay on trends. Uh we're not like trend chasers, definitely when it comes to like trying to ch tra chase trends for uh Amazon, for instance, trying to find that hot bolo. But a lot of times, you know, something happens in the news or, you know, we just had the World Series. And so knowing that, OK, the Diamondbacks were in, the Rangers were in, obviously the Rangers won yeah, and they, they did a great job. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you're you're watching kind of just uh, cultural trends, um, it, it's very valuable as a reseller, because when you see something happen on the news or you see a team starting to do well, uh, you can typically capitalize on, on that if you think about it early enough. But a lot of times when it comes to like the the chase trends, which are a little different, um, those can be a little bit harder because, you know, something all of a sudden is on TikTok. 
it blows up and then it's hard to find those items. And because the types of stuff my wife is into on social media, um, she's always seeing those, right? Like, you know, oh, here's an item that's on sale at, at Walmart or at Costco. And it, it's a, a home decoration for like half off. And it's a new trend that's really popular. And it's always too late. By the time we find out about the sale or whatever, we're never on it early enough to get the thing. Well, my wife's been watching. So right now, um, you know how uh, Christmas trees have those skirts that go around mm-hmm. them? So the new trend, and, and and maybe I'm I'm way off. Maybe this has been a thing that's been a, like for around for a long time, but it's becoming really popular to have what are called tree collars. So instead of like a skirt that goes around it, it's like a ring or a square box that goes around the, the base of your tree. And they're really, really popular right now. And they're um, pretty expensive, uh, especially for the nicer ones, the ones that people consider cute or whatever. And, you know, there's certain places you can get them, um, you know, Magnolia with the Target, all those kinds of things have them, but they're not, they're not inexpensive. They, they cost a pretty penny sometimes, but there was one at Walmart that was on clearance and, or on sale for whatever reason. And it was like a stupid good price. It was like 20 bucks for something that's normally like $60. And so it was one of those things where it's not the end of the world, but my wife's like, Oh, I hope I can get one of these. And every Walmart in our area was sold out. We found one that had one and we were able to get it as, and this is where the new like ways stores work can go to our benefit. So we were able to do the like pickup. So like we ordered it to like go and pick it up, have it ready, drive up, you know? And, uh, we didn't have to get it. We had like 48 hours to pick it up. So they went and they got it for us. They said our order was ready. We couldn't even get to Walmart the next day. So had it been the olden days when you're actually mm-hmm. have to drive store to store or call them, even if you call them, if you tried to ask a store to hold a hot item, they're going to be like, no, even online, like Walmart online was like, we are not shipping any more of these items. So they like knew that they got like just flooded with people after this. So we were able to score it. So it's kind of cool. We we finally were on the the front end of one of those trends to to you know get something that's you know a, a decent sale for us, saved 40, 50 bucks or whatever. But it kind of got me thinking because um, I asked my wife when she was talking about wanting one of these, like, have you checked Etsy? And again, Etsy's really expensive with these. These are a lot of times people will you know make them, um, put different things on them. But I think. What I'm noticing, and it could just be the circles I'm in. Social media is really good at just showing you, you know, you kind of almost get into like a a culture, as it were, mm-hmm. on social media. So maybe it's just kind of the cultures that I'm in on social media, the subgroups that I'm in. But I feel like there's a big push for, um, I don't want to just say handmade because that's not the right thing. But there's there's kind of a, a move and a push in our society towards like homesteads towards people like doing their own chickens, people doing um, like kind of more of like a move back to away from uh, mass produced industrialization, right? Like not the mass produced stuff, not the big, big uh, farms and the big everything. And so thinking about how reselling has changed, right? Like it's harder and harder now for us to go into an Amazon or into a Walmart, scan items for Amazon and sell them. Like that was... That was a thing. But because of technology, that thing is has gotten more and more difficult for resellers. And, and that, that thing might be over, as you mentioned. But if I'm noticing this correctly, it seems like there's a push in our culture towards a different type of thing that people are after. And so yeah. again, as resellers, how can we capitalize on that? And maybe not even just as resellers, but as hustlers. How can we find maybe a new, a new market to get into? Obviously, Etsy has always been big. Handmade goods have always been big to an extent, depending on what it is you're into. But if we continue to move in that direction, I think part of it's a pendulum swing. I think people are kind of over the consumerism. People want things that are built to last. I mean, remember when we were kids, the toys lasted a lot better. I I see some of the toys my dad had, they were all made out of metal. Now it's all cheap plastic that I buy my kid a toy and within 24 hours it's broken. And it's like, this was a Tonka, right? Like a Tonka truck should last for 50 years. Like how did this break already? And so I think in that same way that there was that big swing just towards mass produced. I think people are over it. I think a lot of people are over that, which is some of the reasons why we can do well reselling with some vintage stuff. It's one of the reasons we could do well in reselling with collectibles because people people are after, they're chasing after back when things were potentially better, made with better quality, made with more care. Um, and so 
I don't know exactly what this means for us as resellers that are doing things at garage sales and thrift stores. There's the obvious if you can get your hands on older vintage stuff, but we've always kind of said that. But again, as hustlers, if there is a push towards towards more, you know, people wanting to know that this was made at this farm or this whatever, where people, you know, we make chessboards, handmade chessboards, and people are less likely to go to Walmart just to buy a cheap chessboard, and they're w- willing to spend two hundred dollars for a, you know, handmade chessboard that you had, you know, an engraver machine or whatever make, or you're out in your garage making. Maybe as hustlers, we have to figure out how can we pivot or capitalize on this new move. Uh, in order to be profitable because things do change, you know, like some of the days of just the mass produce or, or just being able to sell whatever we wanted on eBay is kind of ending. So there are going to, I would imagine there's going to be some of our listeners. I'm trying to even think for myself what this looks like, but I think now's the time, like if you could develop maybe in your, your spare time, maybe if your eBay store is like kind of slowing down a little bit, if you can develop a skill woodworking or some kind of a crafting thing where it's like you, you really get good at something I think that market is going to start going up more and more because people want stuff that lasts. People want things that are unique. So I think places like Etsy are going to just keep doing better. Um, the big sellers on there that are are well known for crafting good stuff, I think they're just going to continue to grow. Um, and I think locally, people are going to start sourcing locally from that stuff. Um, you know, so if you can be known in your area as the person who you know makes certain things or sells certain things. So I don't know. Um, just kind of thinking. I could be off. It could just, like I said, I could just be um, just in an echo chamber, seeing all the same things like people moving towards homesteading and things like that. Uh, but I do think it's definitely on the rise in in our, our country. So um, it's not everybody. Again, like being on the rise, like that could go from being like less than a half of a percent to now it's like a percent of the people are doing yeah. that. But that's still, that can be huge. Yeah, let us know in the comments. I, you know, I myself will never do that just because... I am more of a, uh, I create with my mind, not with my hands. Uh, you know, I'm a teacher. I, you know, I've written papers, I've blogged stuff, but yeah, I mean, there's some people that, you know, they're able to do those kind of things. And I, I, I have a friend of mine who actually, he does that. He sells on Etsy and he makes good money. And he's one of the first guys that got me introduced to eBay. Uh, but he now, he, he does something with, I can't remember what it is, but he does something with like bullets and gold and silver and he creates like necklaces or something to that effect. And he always has sales. He just doesn't, he hasn't scaled it because he's busy with family and everything, but it's always in the back burner. So yeah, I, I think there's definitely a market and there's a place for all that. So yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I, I haven't even thought about that, but yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole nother world and we'll see how things go. All right. Hey, uh, but uh, I don't have any other, you know, the only thing I was going to share is it's I've noticed I noticed today I have not bought a single box since I think maybe March. So that could be two reasons. One, sales have been terrible. And two, I just figured out how to source consistent boxes for free. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, if you're a real serious reseller, like you'll go buy your stuff from Uline. Like that's that's all good. Like I. You could do that. That's fine. But for me, it's, you know, if I could save three to 400 bucks a month and it only takes me maybe, I think I spend maybe an hour out of my entire month stopping by at certain locations, it's worth it to me. So I always realize there's always ways to cut your bottom line, uh, to stay more profitable, to stay in the profit. And, you know, the other side is I lose the ability to deduct, you know, a, a huge ton of money for supplies. But you know, right now I'm trying to use every dollar as effectively as possible. Uh, Cause yeah. yeah, I mean, deductions are good, but they're, they're, it's, it's only a, a percentage. Like it's yeah. only taking a percentage off of your, your, you know, your, your gross. So the, it's better to, if you can get it for free and not get the deduction than to pay for it and get a fraction of what yeah. you paid for it as a deduction. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. And so to me, it's, it's been well worth it. I mean, it's crazy. I came across all these, uh, poster tubes and poster tubes are like two to three bucks a piece. Right. So if you come up, you know, you come up with like 50 of them, it's 150 bucks. Right. And, uh, I have plenty of posters I haven't listed cause I just been lazy, but now's the time to list them, you know? So anyways, Hey, before we move on, if you haven't been following us yet on social media, we are pure on podcast on all platforms. We are pure. So cast on Twitter. You can always leave us, uh, a Gmail, an email 
at peers of podcast at gmail.com. That's peers of podcast at gmail.com. Or give us a call at 619-738-1170 at 619-738-1170. And as always, thank you to all of you that tuned in. Thank you to all of you that showed up on the live. We had a great time. Uh, we were able to do some uh, giveaways on the live. And, uh, you know, that's always a good time. Mike and I, you know, we're hoping to do more of those. Uh, we're also, uh, merch is coming. It's coming soon. <laughs> I know we've been saying that for, in Mike and Orlando that time, that means like a year or two away, but it, it's coming soon. Um, we got some ideas. Uh, but thank you to all of you that support us and watch us on YouTube. If you haven't yet, jump on over and hit that subscribe button, smash that like button, hit that bell notification. As always, thank you for all the iTunes reviews. If you haven't yet, jump on over to iTunes. Let us let us and let the world know why you listen to Peers of Podcast and uh, really appreciate that. And last of all, thank you to all of you that support us on Patreon. Uh, it's been really helpful, especially as Mike and I are trying to navigate these waters of, of reselling and you know, any moment we give to the podcast, we're taken away from either our businesses or from our family. And so always grateful when, you know, there's a little bit of help because uh, of that last time. So if you haven't yet, go on over to patreon.com slash Pierce podcast or go to the link below for $5.55 a month. You can support us and that'll also give you access to a thriving community in the discord. So check us out there. Yeah. All right. Let's do some uh, reseller topics. All right, here we go. You know, I should always read these ahead of time so that when I uh, play the breaking news, I uh, I know what it is I'm supposed to say. So I always do this cold. This is like a real cold open we, we, here. We keep it organic. Keep it That's real. right. eBay enthusiastic buyers are shrinking. How many pictures are needed and use the video feature and more Venmo at garage sales. All of this and more on Reseller News. Yeah, so... I, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep things positive. We got some positives here, I think. Yeah, somewhere in here. We oh we got some interesting stories uh here and there. Uh but you know, we're we're at an interesting place right now because eBay open just happened. And what was the main push on eBay open? Do you remember? Um was it the uh the they're going to try to eventually do pay right away for no, no, no. that was just the same old story you know mm -hmm. which that that's a, okay i could go on a rant about that i've had big dollar items that just people didn't pay no no it was the fact that they were so excited about they're gonna start focusing on enthusiastic buyers right yeah and so again yeah to, to define that that concept of the enthusiastic buyer the idea i mean they had their their specific metrics which um, isn't as important, but it's the idea of people who spend a certain amount of money. They're after certain items. They're the kind of the heavy browsers. These are our collectors. These are the people who they're coming on in a category. They're spending a lot of money a year for their Funko Pops or for their car parts or the things like that. So basically, it's the the idea is they make more of their profit off of the hardcore, consistent eBay users than just those who like dabble in in eBay occasionally. So that they were going to put their focus on how do we how do we make shopping easier for them how do we get these people in more as opposed to how do we just get a bunch of people in who might just use ebay maybe once a year yeah i really wish they would show us the data about how there's there i wish because we got the data about the enthusiast buyers but we don't have the maybe there's data maybe i missed it about the random one or two buyers you know that just show up because i've had some home runs lately that have been just random people with zero feedback buying them and I'm like, hey, that's not an enthusiastic buyer, but I'll take that buyer all day long. Yep. The, the, the enthusiast, you know, for example, I uh, I sold a, uh, what do you call the, it, it was like this baby that whispered, this baby doll that whispered is really creepy, but. Uh, it is pretty creepy. But it's so. <laughs> what did it whisper? What did it say? I don't, I don't, it was like, come talk to me. I don't know what it was. It was just. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's real. That's real. It's, it's called uh, baby. Okay, I'm gonna look it up right now because it, it pulled. You remember that? Uh, you remember that old uh, um, the at or the what do they call it? The where they they bad lip reading of the um, Star Wars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where where uh, Yoda does that? Don't fall asleep. Yeah, no, no. It was a uh, baby secret whispering doll by Mattel, and it's a vintage doll. I picked it up like at a garage for three bucks or whatever, but. What, why am I bringing this up again? Uh, enthusiastic buyers oh, okay, versus okay, one-off okay. buyers. So the here, let me see if I can get it on audio. If I can get the audio here, I mean, I'm gonna pull the string here. 
Did you hear that? Yeah, so that's pretty creepy. One more time. I think it said I like to whisper in the dark. I don't know what it said. Anyways, people are listening to this podcast go, what are we listening to right now? So it's sold, but it's sold to some random person in Brazil with zero feedback. And, you know, you can tell when they sign up for eBay and they just signed up in September. Right. I just sold, you know, that North Face jacket I talked about that went to a zero feedback person. It went, you know, so. I'm getting these people that are like, you know, it'd be really cool to have that whispering baby that is creepy. And they probably said it in Portuguese to each other. And they're like, oh, go check out eBay. And then they went on eBay and, and they bought it. Right. So I, I'm really I, I don't know if this philosophy is is working. Um, I will say it was interesting. So this is from Marketplace Pulse. It says eBay's new goal is to reinvent the future e-commerce for an enthusiasts. It says it has 16 million of them. So eBay has, according to this, 132 million active buyers who place at least one order in 12 months. Among them are 16 million buyers with at least six purchase days and over $800 in annual spending. eBay calls them enthusiasts and is now focused on serving them first because they make up roughly 70% of GMV and spend approximately $3,000 annually on average. So maybe there's a stat I was looking for as to why, why the focus. Now, this is, where, this is what I found concerning here. Uh, as they looked at the data, they said, uh, I'm trying to find it here where they give the numbers because the numbers, the numbers has declined as far as enthusiastic buyers. And that that's where the problem is. And so what am I looking at the wrong news report? Oh, here it goes. Okay. It says eBay is separating itself from the rest of the e-commerce competition by focusing on buyers who love eBay. The problem that group is shrinking. The number of enthusiast buyers has decreased from 21 million in 2020 to 19 million in 2021 to 17 million in 2022 to 16 million in 2023. But it's undeniable that the core base has been using eBay for decades and will stay. So I'm looking at that like that's a that's a pretty big percentage. That's 25% drop. Now, I know we can factor in the era where sales were crazy and all that stuff. But I don't know. I just found that troubling. Right. So I, I'm just I'm hoping that eBay will do a little more research and look into, you know, how much I, I know they got 70% of GMV. So 70% of GMV is coming from 16 million buyers and there's 132 million buyers. Why are why why is there not a retention of the other 116 million buyers? You know what I'm saying? Like, why are they just buying stuff once or buying twice, and are they out? So, just things to think about. Uh, I guess, I guess, my advice to everyone is hold on to the people that you do have. You don't want to lose them. Send coupons. Maybe create an email newsletter. Make sure you're running sales. Make sure you know you give special attention to those people that are repeat buyers. eBay now has a thing that says repeat buyer, and so if they have a question, get to them right away. Uh, maybe, you know, if you have items, I've done this before that you haven't listed, but you know, they're a collector. You can tell them, Hey, by the way, here's a picture of some items I haven't listed. Uh, but since you're all, you've always bought for me, I'm willing to make a deal. And maybe that allows you to keep business flowing. I don't know. Any thoughts there, Mike? Yeah. I mean, it's tough because I mean, it makes sense. Like you want to put, you want to put your money and effort and energy into the people who are, are your consistent users of the product um but then again it's like does that take away from a attaining and retaining new buyers right so i think i think the hard part is i don't think they're doing i don't think it's an either or i think they could be doing both uh it's almost two separate goals that have two separate departments focusing on um one of them it's like how do we retain and make things better for our our, our the users who are most focused on this product i mean i think about like personally like board games and uh like trading cards is a good example of this a trading card company is like a company like magic the gathering i've played others as well um they they have to walk a fine line because uh a game like magic the gathering has been out for so long and it has people who will pay thousands of dollars every couple of months for new sets for the cards they'll buy decks that are like tens of thousands of dollars to have the, the very rare cards that are really old but in order for new players, in order for a company um, to get the new players to come in, they have to create new formats of the game 
that make it so those older decks can't be played in this format. So then you've got like almost two different groups of players. You got the players who are like the hardcore, they've been playing for a long time, but the company can't just rely on them because they actually make a good portion of their money off people who are just buying brand new cards every single you know time and they're not going to be spending yeah. $10,000 a deck. So it's almost better to have 10,000 people spending you know, $10 a month than to have a hundred people who are going to be spending thousands. And, and so you, you, they, uh, you have to find that balance. And so I think that's what eBay is trying to do. They, if you're that hardcore gamer, you want the company to find ways to still help you out. So you can tell when, when magic, the gathering releases a new set, every time they try and drop at least one or two cards that aren't really useful for the current format, but are very useful for like the legacy format. So they, they're trying to appease both people at the same time. And so I think eBay has to do that. They have to find a way to, how do we bring in new people? Uh, but how do we also try and find a way to keep kind of our, our, our hardcore eBay enthusiasts in eBay, not going somewhere else, not going to another platform. We need, and especially as new competition is coming, especially if you're an enthusiast in a specific thing, right? If you're an enthusiast in, you know, collectibles or in vintage clothing or whatever you're an enthusiast in, as more competition comes into place, eBay has to find a way. How do we keep these people here and not going somewhere else? But at the same time, another wing of eBay needs to be figuring out how do we spend time, money, and energy uh, on the website to make it more friendly or ways of of getting new people, right? So you kind of have to do both at the same time. I don't think it's an either or. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. I'm just, I find it concerning, you know, because if 16 million are holding up 70% of GMV, we'll have to wait and see. And now tune into our next update episode because on that one, we'll definitely be able to talk more about the Q3 earnings. Uh, I know we addressed a little bit uh, in, in our live, but we'll be able to talk more in depth in our next update episode. So tune in for that. All right. So this is something that just came up uh, and I don't remember where it came up from, but I've heard people say, <laughs> I know this sounds so like it is rumor, but you know, the new like limit of pictures that helps you out on eBay listings is it used to be like, as long as you have three, you're good. But now I'm hearing five. And I forget where I heard that from, but that you needed five in order for the AI to work. And this is why one of the reasons eBay now has 24 pictures instead of 12. And so I, I want to encourage people, you know, I get, we got this question on Discord, like, hey, I used all 24 pictures. I still can't get enough. Like, what, what should I do here? And for me, it's like, just, just use the video, right? The video will give you plenty if you're able to to use it, you know, I use video all the time, even for things that aren't animated. Let's say it's a vintage piece and things are broken, but you can't really in the picture show how it's broken. You can't get that right angle or maybe it's something that you fixed. Like I glue stuff sometimes together and I do put it in my listing and I show that. So make sure to do that. Make sure you're taking at least more than I would say more than five pictures. Uh, I do think over time as AI develops and, and works, it's going to end up giving preference to people who have more pictures and I don't know what the magic number is going to be. Uh, but it's, I think it's going to help with the description. It's going to help on the search and so on. So there, there was that with, I don't have much more to add. I just wanted to throw that out there for people uh, to think about when they're listening. He had a question for you. Are you noticing Vemo at a garage shows a lot more now? Oh yeah. I mean, Venmo for sure. Or, um, uh, what, what's the other one that's really popular? Um, no, well, there's PayPal, not PayPal, PayPal, oh, there's Venmo and Zelle. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think there's definitely, um, more and more people are using it. Um, a lot of times I go to, to garage sales and people will ask, do you accept Venmo? And sometimes if it's an older couple, a lot of times they'll just say, oh no, like my kids use that. Or, or sometimes like, oh, my wife uses Venmo, but I don't. Uh, but I would say, it's definitely becoming more prevalent for sure, which can be a good thing in, in some ways. I mean, it's harder in the sense of cash becomes a little bit more. Um, I mean, it's nice to have cash uh, to do the deals because, you know, money talks. And then also, um, I don't know, I don't want to like. There's reasons why cash deals are nice. However, Venmo <laughs> can be very useful in yeah, the yeah. sense that it's it makes it very easy for like receipts you ever wonder like oh how much did i pay for this if it ever comes to taxes yeah you might end up having to to show a little bit more but then you have access to 
hey, on this day, I paid this person X amount. And then this is the inventory I bought. You can even put a little comment of what it is you're buying. And then it might make it easier to do your taxes when you have those receipts. Those end up becoming receipts as opposed to that that does solve the problem of a lot of people of, well, how do I how do I do receipts for the things that I'm buying at a garage sale? And some people like you will like take pictures of your items and you kind of just track it that way, or you put in the stories on Instagram. Other people will actually write it down in a receipt book. But it becomes difficult when you know you go to a bunch of garage sales. But if you're doing it through Venmo, one, you don't have to worry about going and picking up a bunch of ones and actually going into the bank because ATMs yeah. now, like, you know, you might get tens. Maybe some of the ATMs will do fives. I don't know. But you're not getting ones out of an ATM machine. So you actually have to find a time to go into an ATM to get small bill or go into a, a bank to get small bills. So Venmo can be really useful for that. Um, you, there may be other issues with fraud and other things that could come up. I don't know. So it's a it's a tough situation. Um, I, I, I don't mean it's a tough situation. It's interesting situation. Um, but I do think it's becoming more popular and it I don't see too many downsides, but maybe I'm overlooking something. So I mean, maybe people can let us know in the comments what what would be a downside to using Venmo uh, as a a method of transaction at a garage sale. The only reason I bring this up and we're not sponsored by Venmo, but if you're listening, you can sponsor us is that I, I find that it's made things a lot easier lately. Now, yes, I agree. There's a reason why people do cash garage sales, but I've been at places where there's there, I was going to do a big buyout. Right. And I only had a certain amount of cash on me. Maybe it's because I already spent, you know, early in the morning and only had so much left over, but you don't want to leave that deal on the table. I've had it before in the back in the day where I've had to say, Hey, you know, here's some of the money, but I got to go run to the bank. I'll take out some more cash and I'll be back. Some people will do that, but I'd rather say, hey, do you have Venmo? I could just Venmo you right now. And for two reasons. One, it, it ensures it locks in the deal, right? Because anything can happen while you're gone. I mean, I've had, you know, I've had people buy stuff. Like, like I didn't come back at a certain amount of time. And they're like, well, we don't know if you're coming back. And we just sold it to somebody else. I've done that to somebody else, too. I bought something before the person showed up because <laughs> they took too long, right? And, and whatever, you can argue whether that's legit or not. But, you know, when people are gone, they're gone. Okay. That's the danger. Right. The other one is it, it makes, you know, big dollar transactions. Uh, I would say it's a lot safer. Right. So, for example, when I bought a, a storage unit and I paid $1,400, it was a lot easier to do the Venmo than go to the bank and, and pull out the cash. And, and here's the thing anytime you give an individual during a negotiation uh, for them to change their mind, it's time that you're you're risking it. So, for example, when I bought out that, you know, one of my best hauls was that storage unit with the Hot Wheels and the Disney. You know, they really were like, we got to sell this now. We should sell it now. And and I was able to lock the deal with Venmo. Had I gone like, hey, I need to go to the bank and then I'll come back. They might have, you know, while I'm gone, looked up comps, thought about it and gone like, you know what? Yeah, we got to be at this number now. I know we agreed on this, but this is kind of where we're at. And so just, just be aware of that. I think, I think, you know, you might say, well, Orlando, I don't want to sign up. That's okay. You don't have to sign up, but I think you do think it's a good idea to just have it, uh, you know, in, in case something happens, you know, because you need to. So, all right. So here's the interesting Amazon story. So Amazon has this algorithm called project Nessie. And let me, let me read here. Cause this is, I, I found this fascinating. Uh, so uh, this is from, I'm going to read from The Verge and then another story from Routers. So Amazon had a secret pricing algorithm codenamed Project Nessie, which may have generated the company more than a billion dollars in extra profits. According to new details uh, released Thursday, so this is a couple of weeks ago, from the Federal Trade Commission antitrust case against the e-commerce giant. In September, the FTC and more than a dozen state attorney generals sued Amazon, claiming that they operate a monopoly. So they, let me skip a little bit. The existence of Project Nessie was first revealed in a previously redacted version of the complaint. Nessie was allegedly an algorithm that would increase the price of products on Amazon and monitor whether other retailers like Target would follow suit. If they didn't, the algorithm would revert the Amazon listing to its original price. So do you get what's going on there? So um, you kind of lost me. Okay. All right. So what this algorithm did is it would it would monitor like let's say what Walmart and Amazon is selling an item for, right? Okay. And so Walmart and Amazon to stay competitive would price match. 
Amazon, right? So then people would go, you know, I'm just going to go buy it uh, at Walmart, whatever. So the algorithm would track this price matching. And what they would do in order to make more money is then they would, as soon as they saw this price matching happening, they would raise the price, which then would trigger Walmart and Target and all these other companies to also raise their prices. So it was a benefit. Okay. It was a benefit for sellers. Like I don't, I'm yeah. not a fan of the government intervening at all in any of this. This is the free market. People have a right to choose. But the the government is alleging that it's creating unfair practices. Uh, and now the the shady part about it was that uh, all the all the executives that were communicating via the Signal app. The Signal app is an app where you can have encry- encrypted communication and you could delete it after the fact. And uh, it's gone forever. Well, <laughs> two years of it uh, disappeared from their phones because of the Signal app. So we don't know what happened. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. But uh, again, I keep saying like Amazon, if you saw an Amazon, you got to play like according to the rules. And, and sometimes like this, it works to your advantage. But remember, this algorithm was probably used against sellers too, right? In the sense that they saw. So I just my this is my educated guess. They would see sellers undercut Amazon, right? And they, they're you know they would just under undercut, 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 undercut. Uh, and actually, uh, there's another report I read, and I don't, I can't find it, but the algorithm was able to determine when it was undercut too much, where the person uh, you know where Amazon would lose. So it used to be back in the day, you could go on on Amazon, sell on Amazon. Let's say say Amazon had an item. That you were selling for 200 and they undercut you to 150 you could put $80 and sometimes Amazon would follow you and like put $79.99. Mm. And, and big sellers would do that to try to get Amazon to sell through their inventory or to get people that aren't big sellers and just wreck them where they're yeah. like, oh man, I might as well sell through. And then when everybody sells through, then they would raise their price. Yeah, it's like the the memes that you used to see. Um, I don't know if you've seen it before. But it's like a comic book strip. Um, I don't know exactly what it is, but like two people are trying to sell lemonade, right? And they're trying to sell for fifty cents each. And uh, and so one person, like, you know, they each have like ten cups of lemonade or whatever it is they're selling, fifty cents each. And so one goes down to forty cents. The next one goes down to thirty cents. And so then one goes down to like ten. So the person that's selling it for 30 cents buys all of the ones for 10 cents. Oh, now he has all the lemonade and then he can sell it for 80 cents. Like, cause he's the only one selling now. So it's almost like the, the race to the bottom allowed one of them to actually buy it all out. And then now they're the only one that got the monopoly again. Yeah. And sometimes you can do that. So for example, right now, speaking of retail arbitrage, there's an item that I could pick up at a store for 40 and I could sell for, I think it was like 85. Right. Not not a ton of profit, but there was only like three or four sellers. So it was worth it to me. Amazon dropped the price for that item from 80 to 30 bucks, less than I could source it for. Mm. So sometimes when that happens, I'll go and I'll buy like a ton from Amazon and I'll hold on to it because Amazon will eventually get back to that price. But it's super risky. But sometimes you could do that lemonade example and it could work out for you. All right. Hey, one last thing here. So Amazon, you know, they had their prime day and I just wanted to share the results because I think it's going to be very telling of, of Q4. Uh, so, of course, Amazon's going to say that things were great. So they said, this is according to CNBC, Amazon says this year's fall prime day, this was back in October 2011, outpaced last year's events. Prime members scooped up more than 150 million items from third party sellers. But here, here's what I want everyone to pay attention to. And so it said, shoppers snapped up Apple AirPods, Pro, Bissell carpet cleaners, Crest UD white strips, Amazon branded devices, Fire TVs, all of this. The average spend per order during the Prime Big Deal Days event was $53.47 down from Amazon's July Prime Day. So, so people are, you know, spending less money. And then about 60% of the items sold on that Prime Day were sold for less than $20 while just 4% were more than a hundred dollars. So what this says to me is that in this Q4, you know, make sure you have 
and whatever. Yeah, I know everybody has their own model, but I think there's a place for those twenty to forty dollar items, whether it be on Amazon or eBay. And I think on Q4, I think you may end up doing better than always trying to, you know, list those home runs. Now it's nice when you have those home runs. Don't get me wrong, but having that those bread and butter twenty to forty dollar items, I think is gonna are gonna go a longer way, especially even though the reports say that we have a strong GDP. Uh, everyone knows that right now things are getting expensive. They're only going to get more expensive now because inflation is probably going to rebound a little bit more because the interest rates being stopped. And so, you know, keep an eye out. Don't, don't, you know, don't walk away from items that you can make 20 to $30 net if, if they're available to you. So just my two thoughts. there. That's good. All right. Wow. We're going long today. All right. Let's get into some bolos here. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me get that pulled Some up. items right, that you should go. be on the lookout for. What's your bolo? Yeah. All right. So I don't know what's going on. I've just noticed a ton of my students, high school age, um, are are wearing Rugrats stuff. Like Rugrats. I, I need to look it up it is, to see. It is coming back. Yeah, so I don't know if it's just because like they've they've had some new seasons come out and it's like on Netflix or whatever it's on Disney. I'm not sure. No, it's Nickelodeon. So, but anyways, um, I, I don't watch uh lots of TV or have that the apps, but I remember watching Rugrats as a kid. I like the show, uh, but it's crazy to see like that. So many kids are wearing Rugrats stuff, and so my, my bolo is just I, I looked it up and some of the older vintage Rugrats stuff, super expensive right now because yeah, the kids have the mass produced Rugrats backpacks and and sweaters and jackets and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, if you can find some of the older stuff, I think uh, I think there might be some money there. So uh, don't sleep on Rugrats if you have Rugrats stuff in your house already. Or if uh, you're at garage sales and thrift stores, you see something Rugrats, at least give it a look up. Yeah, no, they, they are selling. I've sold some recent stuff I picked up at Marshall's. It was a bad buy from a couple of years ago, but now they're in. So, so That's yeah, crazy. definitely. Keep, and again, and this is a bolo I've discussed before, like shows and toys from the early 2000s. They're becoming as popular as stuff from the 90s because now you think about it, those individuals that were kids, well, maybe Mike's one of these individuals that were kids in the early 2000s. Well, now, you know, they're in their late 20s and training their 30s. So things to think about. Which, Mike, you're, you're in your late 20s entering your 30s? No, I'm in my 30s. <laughs> Come on, man. So this is a new one for me uh, because I've been noticing this lately that discontinued dvds and i know people are gonna be like orlando you're late to the party okay that's fine i'm late to the party but what i'm finding i want i'm trying to pull up what i have here uh discontinued dvds are definitely money makers right now uh i you know i just recently sold a um a godzilla dvd and there's some godzilla dvds there even if they're opened that itself for like two hundred dollars right if you're able to find i think uh, the simpsons i think it's season two or three there's a band episode where uh michael jackson is there but it's not i don't know whatever for a reason they banned it because i think michael jackson isn't michael jackson he's just a a big white guy that's in an insane asylum who thinks he's michael jackson whatever caused controversy and they they banned it so that one whenever i see that one i end up flipping that one new for 30 to 40 bucks within a couple days uh sometimes you know there's other series out there that have either been banned or discontinued so you know, a lot of us right now, we're looking at VHS, sealed VHS, but there's, for example, DVDs, Walt Disney Treasures. If you find, like, let's say the Donald Duck one, or you find, um, you know, some other one, I, I know I'm not too specific, but you can just look them up on eBay. Like, I've sold some that are used for, like, 40 to 50 bucks. And so keep an eye. Uh, anime stuff, you know, Dragon Ball Z is one of them. I think I mentioned that one already. Uh, and, you know, there's some other ones. So continuum i've never heard of that but i picked up some dvds that were sealed the other day and they're going for like 60 to 100 bucks it was a sci-fi show so there, there's a bunch of stuff out there that you know very much i i, I know myself i look at dvds and i kind of don't even look at them because i'm like ah like everybody has dvds it's not vintage i mean it was only maybe a decade ago that people not even a decade maybe five years ago that people were using dvds but but now people are looking for uh, certain DVDs. So definitely, uh, if, if it's new, it's always worth a scan. Always worth looking up. So that is my bolo. Yeah. All right, Mike. So uh, what are you looking forward to here? Um, 
You know, I don't know. Just uh, more of the same. I'm hoping. I'm hoping the weather. I've never done winter garage selling in Central Texas before. This will be my first winter. Every season this year is my first year. So um, I'm interested to see if they die out. Um, there was a good little run there for a little bit um, when the weather was nice-ish. Uh, so we'll see if, as it gets colder here, um, if people still are braving garage sales or if it's more like other parts of the country when we hear, you know, we have listeners who who talk about the, the very small window of time that they have for garage sale season. So I'm interested to see what it's like here. There were definitely some garage sales in the heat, not not many, especially as it was into the it was 115 plus for weeks on end. But uh, maybe maybe uh, the winter isn't so bad. We don't have the snow here, so there's people in parts of the country where they got snow. Uh, but I'm interested to see if garage sales continue through November, uh, maybe moving into December. I'm not counting on them January, February, but we will ha- we'll just have to see. So I'm, I'm looking forward to maybe getting out there a few more times before. It's just too cold. All right, all right. So, my, what about you? Uh, I'm gonna try Amazon one more time. <laughs> I'm gonna go out there do some more retail arbitrage. I spent, I want to say, like 16 hours last week. Didn't find anything that was worth me taking a risk on. So I'm gonna try one more time. I have death piles I need to work through, and uh, you know, right now I'm looking at stuff and I'm like, this stuff could sell right now. Why? Why am I not listing these? And then you know, I I did a trial run last week. I try to be disciplined <laughs> and I segmented my hate discipline, but I, I segmented my time. So, you know, I drop off my kids and then right after I drop off my kids, I made sure that I took pictures of items for a good hour and a half. And it helped me definitely list because even though I couldn't list right away, sometimes by the end of the day, I could get the listings done. And I did that pattern for like three or four days and it was very successful. And so I know a lot of you are like, Orlando. So imagine if you kept that discipline for weeks on end. I know. Months, years, the rest of your life. Oh, no, 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 no. Rest of my life? No. Like, no. Like that's, that's not living, my friend. That's being a robot. So (laughs) I, but, but right now I have to be a robot. I have to get sales. I have to have money coming in. And so I, I need to be, uh, more disciplined in, in my business. And so I'm going to work on doing that in the next few weeks and we'll see how things turn out. So, Hey, thank you everyone for tuning in. I know we went a little bit long, but I'm sure no one minded. I uh, appreciate every single one of you. Thank you to all of you that support us on Patreon. Thank you for all of you that consistently listen to us every week. And uh, with that being said, make sure to be real and be relevant and be reselling. Peace.